Today's daf is daf Samach Beis, page 62 in the Hedlik Maseches Tadorim. And we pick up from Rebbe Virebiyasi. It is the second line from the top of the Yomud. Here we go, really a beautiful and profound uh, daf ahead of us. So many beautiful imudim. Let us get going. Rebbe Virebiyasi, Bar Yehuda, Iklulahu Asra. Rebbe and Rebbe Yaisi, the son of Rebbe Yehuda, traveled to a city, Bisman Shehukfulu Raiv Hamukzois. When most of the fig knives had been put away. Remember what we learned yesterday? That once the fig knives had been put away, any figs that are left out in the field are going to be hefker. Now the reason why we got onto this is because we said, what if somebody makes a vow that he's not going to eat figs or grapes until the fig harvesting season? Doesn't mean the beginning of the season. Doesn't mean till all the knives are put away. Okay, so with that, we're going on to this, uh, call it uh, a tangent, but an important tangent of... Of um, once the knives by most people, who, which were used for the figs, were put away, it became hefker. So they went to visit the city, and it was already past the season where the equipment had been put away. So really, the figs out in the field were already hefker. Listen to what happens. Rebbe Habikachil, Rebbe Yaisi, Rebbe Yehuda, like Achil. Rebbe started eating the figs that were out in the field because he said they're hefker. But Rebbe Yaisi, Rebbe Yehuda, were refused to eat these figs. Okay. Fine. Now, why does he refuse to eat these figs? It's not clear. It may be because he holds that just because most people put away their fig knives, it's, it's not enough. Maybe you need that the, you have to know that the owner of that specific field put away his fig knife. That was one opinion that we had yesterday. So we don't know exactly why he didn't eat, but ultimately he, he didn't eat. And another reason could be maybe he was going the Fnimishur Sadin. Maybe he just wanted to go above and beyond the letter of the law, right? But the, the Maisi wasn't eating. So that's what happened. One ate, one didn't eat. Now, the owner of the fig field comes out. The owner of the fig field comes out and he says, Hey, rabbis, why aren't you eating? Now, let's pause for a moment. Why would somebody say that? There's two options. And this comes up often um, when, it comes to the, when it comes to ownership. And we, this comes up above Metziah. If whether you know an owner abandoned something or not, he says, Rabbis, why aren't you eating? Either he means, I want you to eat, or he's being sarcastic. And he's looking at them and saying, what's going on? What are you doing in my field? Get out of here, right? That's another, that's another option. So, so what happens is, that um, he says that most of the people have put away their fig knives. You still refuse to eat. Why? He said, maybe this guy's doing it out of hatred. Maybe he just wanted us out of his field. And he's like, oh, rabbis, weren't you eating? He's more being sarcastic. And therefore, Rabbi Yisrael felt that he still was not allowed to eat from the figs. Okay. Another story. Rabbi Chama Bar Chanina Iklulu Asher. Rabbi Chanina came to a city. Bisman Shukfulu Rabbi Mukzois. Also, it was a, it was the time of the fig harvest that most of the knives had been put away. Havik Achil and he was. I'm sorry, Rabbi Chama Bar Rav Chanina. So one one Amir, he came to the city. Havik Achil and he started eating figs out in the field. Yohev Lishame. He offered his helper some figs. Lay Achil, his helper wouldn't eat. Amar and he told him, No, Echol, you better eat. Kacham Ali Shmuel Rabbi. Rabbi Shmuel bar Rabbi Yaisi Mishum Aviv Hukfu Rabbi Magzois Mutars Mishum Gazal Upturais Min Hamaiser. Okay, 
So he says, don't be nervous. I know why you're not eating. Lamaisa, everything's hefker. It's absolutely no issue whatsoever. You should be eating figs with me. Rabbi Tarfin, Ashkichehu Gavra, Rabbi Tarfin was found by a person. Shehukfalu Hamukzois. And again, this is talking about when the the knives that they were used to harvest figs were put away. Because Reb Tarfin was eating. So here's what happens. It's a little complicated the way the Gemara is writing it, but ultimately, Rabbi Tarfin was eating figs in a field at a time where it was mutter to eat the figs. But the owner came and found him. And Achtei, he placed him bisaka in a sack, bishakle, and he took him. So basically, he tied up Reb Tarfin, who was eating figs, really alpi halacha, but this guy was upset about it. See, so he, he takes Reb Tarfin, the Godel Adar. Reb Tarfin also, as we're going to see soon in the Gemara, was extremely wealthy. So he didn't need to be stealing anybody's figs. But Hefker is Hefker. Something's out there. You know, there's, there's no owner. You can eat the figs. No problem. So Reb Tarfin's eating the figs. A guy comes along and he says, Get him, what are you doing? Get off the figs. And he ties up Reb Tarfin. He takes him. And he wanted to drown him. He wanted to kill Reb Tarfin for being a Ganav. So you can just picture the scene. You have the Godel Adar now tied up and about to be thrown in a river for stealing somebody's figs that he did nothing wrong with. So Omar Loi, Rabbi Tarfin is now tied up. He's being schlepped along. And he says to the guy, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe Reb Tarfin's being killed like this. He wanted the guy to know who he was. Shama Hahu Gavra, the guy heard you're dealing with Reb Tarfin. Shavkei Va'arak. He dropped him and he headed for the hills. He ran away. He was scared. He was scared. Okay? Now listen to what happens. Now, why did we mention this story? Because again, Reb Tarfin was allowed to do this with, we're dealing with a situation where it was past the time where the knives for the figs were put away. So he was allowed to eat. That's what we got onto this. But now the Gemara, for the next little bit, is going to take us on a beautiful topic of whether or not it was an issue for Reb Tarfin to utilize his Torah fame to help himself, or is that considered using Torah for your own personal benefit? Interesting. Says the Gemara, Omar Rabbi Avohu Mishom Rabbi Hanania ben Gamliel. Rabbi Avohu says the name of Rabbi ben Gamliel. You should know. Kol Yamav Shal Tzadik. The rest of the life of that Tzadik, referring to Reb Tarfin. For the rest of Reb Tarfin's life, Hayamitztaer al he felt terrible about what he did. He felt terrible that he utilized his rabbinic knowledge, or not his rabbinic position, really his Torah knowledge, we'll call it, because positions are different. He utilized his Torah knowledge to save himself. He was, he was mitzta'er on this. Now, the obvious question that should bother us is, I mean, you're saving your life. So the Gemara later is going to explain to us that really he was concerned that he could have done it differently. He felt there were other options that he could have saved himself with. He didn't need to utilize Torah and his Torah knowledge when 
according to Reb Tarfin, what's really bothering him is, if I could have saved myself a different way, you're not supposed to use Tyra for your own personal benefit. Okay, let's keep going. Omar and Reb Tarfin said, Oily, woe to me, shenishtamashti, that I made use, bekisra shal Tyra of the crown of Tyra. Woe to me that I used Tyra for my personal benefit. If a person utilizes and gains personal benefit from the greatness, from the crown of Tyra, meaning they shift the glory of Tyra to themselves for their own personal benefit, Nekam and Eilam is going to be uprooted from the world. How do I know that? From a Kavachaymer, Uma Belshazzar, just like Belshazzar, Shem Mishdamish Bikli Kaidesh, Hazur Bikli Chayil, Belshazzar by the story right leading up to Purim, he was Vashti's father, so he used the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash, and um, ultimately he was killed in an unusual way because of that. Shenemar Uboba Pritzim Vichalua. These priests and these people who breached borders entered the Beis Hamikdash, and they took the vessels. And once they utilized it, it was no longer holy and still nekam in Ailam. Belshazzar was killed; he was uprooted from the world. Dichsev, how do you know that? Because it says in the pasuk, "Beibulelyekitil Belshazzar." That very night, Belshazzar was killed. What happened was the night that Belshazzar utilized the vessels, he made a whole rule for the party: anybody who comes in. Uh, who, who uh, knocks on the door? The next person who knocks is going to be killed, and it had to be it had to be that he had to leave the room, and then he was the one who knocked, and they ended up killing their own king. Gansamaisa, it was in an unusual way that Belshazzar died, and he was using vessels that no longer even had the holiness of the Beis Hamikdash. Person who utilizes Tyra for their own glory. Which lives and endures forever. Allah has come of a comma, how much more so? And therefore, Rabbi Tarfin was Mitztair. He was incredibly bothered by the fact that he utilized the Taira to save himself. Okay. Zokti Gemara, Rabbi Tarfin, Kivan Dechiachil, and Rabbi Tarfin, since he ate the figs, the Hukfulu Raiv Hamaktsois Have. It was already a time where it was butter, it was ownerless. Who's this guy to put him in a sack? The Gemara is asking a question on this owner. We're assuming the owner was an upstanding person who wanted to keep order in halacha, right? So he says, Ganovim, arise from the belt. Yeah, Ganovim, er the world. So you're such a hatsi tatsi. I mean, uh, you're the one keeping order over here. Well, the, order, the way the order works is. That if the if the knives that cut the figs were put away, it's mutter. So get off from Tarfin. Why did he take him in the first place? So Gemara answers, Mishom Dahahu have a What happened was like this. There's a backstory to what happened with Reb Tarfin. This guy owned a fig field. For the entire year, there was some Ganav who was sneaking in and taking figs. And this guy didn't have video cameras. See, he was on the lookout the entire... I'm going to catch this guy. I'm going to catch this guy. I'm going to catch this guy. And he had pent-up anger for some specific Ganav. And finally, he sees a Yid sitting there enjoying the figs like nothing's going on. He thought this guy was the one who was the Ganav stealing the whole time. Okay? And Memela, you know why he got upset? Because he's not upset about what was happening now. 
He was upset at the previous year's uh, ganva. Okay? Says the Gemara, Ihachi. Well, if Reb Tarfin, if the whole thing was a misunderstanding, and Reb Tarfin was allowed to take what he took, I might see her nafsheh. Why is Reb Tarfin bothered by what he did? He said, oh, woe to Tarfin that he's about to be killed. You didn't do anything wrong. You're saving your life. You didn't do anything wrong. Utilizing the crown of Tyra, what do you, nobody should be killed for this. Whether or not you're a Talmud Chacham. Answers the Gemara. Ready for this? Mishum Reb Tarfin, Usher God will have it. Incredible. Reb Tarfin was incredibly wealthy. And Reb Tarfin felt that when he was being tied up and schlepped down to the river, all he needed to do was offer the guy money. That's all he needed to do. He didn't need to utilize the crown of Tyre. He could have utilized his wallet. That would have accomplished the same thing. And since he could have done it in a way separate from Tyre, that's where he, that's where he felt bad. Okay. Tanya, we learned in Ebrisa, we learned in Ebrisa, Li'avot Hashem Le'kecha. To love Hashem your God, L'shmaya B'Kailai. How do you love Hashem? By listening to His voice. And to cling to the Rabbi Shalom. That's our goal. Our goal in life is to be Dovuk to the Rabbi Shalom. Right? What does Dovuk Amalek say? And for me, it's the clinging to Hashem. It's the closest to Hashem that Li Taif. That's ultimately the good. That's the good in the world. A person shouldn't say, Ekra. I'm going to learn Chumash. You know why? Because I want to be known as the best guy in Yeshiva. Sheikh Runi Chacham. Ah, boy, I got a Dvar Taira. So everybody at the Shabbos table is going to say, wow, this guy's got Dvar Taira. Eshna, and I'm going to learn Mishnayis. Sheikh Runi Rebbe. So people will call me Rabbi. Ashanen she'eyezokein ve'eshe b'seva. And I'm going to learn Gemara so people will support me with their finances. Here's what you got to do. Here's how it works. Serve Hashem, and serve Hashem, and everything else will come. But that's not your cheshbon. That's not what's on your mind. Your mind is to cling to the Rabbani Shalom. That's your avayda. You cling to the Rabbani Shalom, everything else good will come along with it. Tie them, referring to Torah, tie it to your fingers, and write them, on the tablets of your heart. The same way tablets, it's like a permanent engraving, engrave it permanently on your heart. The Aymer. And we also know, we say this when we take out the Torah, the ways of the Tere are Nayam, the ways of the Torah are pleasant. The Torah will uphold those who uphold it. Okay? So, you want to have a pleasant life, we want to have a pleasant life, make sure that that life is connected to Torah. Many people, unfortunately, it's a very common mistake that many of us make. We think to have a pleasant life, you run away from Torah. I don't need to set aside time for learning. I don't need to set aside time to come close to the Rabbi Shalom because I'm too busy making money. I got to support a family. I got stuff going on. And the Torah tells us it's fakert. It's the opposite. When a person is the more you cling to the Rabbi Shalom, the more everything else will come memela in a very pleasant way of the Rachel Darchei Noyam, in a pleasant Yiddishkeit. And the Torah supports those that support it. You support the Torah, the Torah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Torah represents HaKadosh Baruch Hu to this world. 
will ensure that that uh, that individual, that person, is taken care of. Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Tzaddik, Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Tzaddik says, "Asay devarim, do the words of Taira l'shem pi alam in in the name of pa alam, the one who created everything, in the name of the Creator." You know why we serve Hashem? For Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Meaning like this. The Mishnah of us tells us any love that's kol ava any love that's dependent on a thing, if that thing becomes bottle, if that thing is nullified, bottle ava, the love is nullified. So if you marry somebody for their money, as soon as the money runs out, there's no marriage. You marry somebody for their talents. As soon as their talents run out, there's no marriage. You marry somebody for love. As soon as the love runs out, there's no marriage. If you marry somebody, ultimately, to be one with them, for them, not anything else. I'm marrying you for you. I'm here for you. You're here for me. That never runs out. It's never a thing that runs out. So too with the Rebbein Shlomo. If we serve Hashem because we want to get the Gan Eden, that's a thing. That's a thing. We don't serve Hashem because we're going to receive reward. The Ava, the love that we have for the Rebbein we serve Hashem for Hashem. Rebbein Shlomo, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want you. And the Rebbein Shalom said the same to me. It also happens to be, there's a side perk. We're going to get Schar. We're going to get El Ababa. It's Meridik. There's a lot there. But do you serve Hashem for the, because ultimately, or, do, or is it the relationship itself with the Rebbein Shalom that matters? It's the connection itself that matters. It's not the thing. Everything else will come. It's a side benefit. But the Iker benefit, the Iker Avaida, the Iker, the, the Iker to everything of what we do is just to be with the Abisher, to be with the Rabban Shalom. That itself is the is is the goal. I say Dvar Mashaypam, do words of Torah for Akadush Baruch Hu, for no other reason. Vidaber Bahem Lishmam and speak words of Torah Lishma for its own sake. Don't use this relationship for yourself. Don't go into a marriage or relationship selfishly, because this is what I want. You'll get it. Don't worry. But you can't be in it for that. Don't use the Torah as a spade with which to dig. Meaning something to, again, create a, a additional financial benefit from. The Kavachaymer. And a Kavachaymer is, When Belshazzar used the Klei Kaidesh that already had become... Why? Because it was already mild, right? It was already mild, so now it's mundane. And still he used these items that were no longer holy, Nekram and Oilam. He was killed. Person who uses the crown of Torah, that's eternally holy, like we said just before. How much more so is there going to be a consequence? Omar Rava Rava says, a person is permitted to let himself be known in a city if they don't know who he is. Meaning, 
even though you're not allowed to utilize the crown of Torah, it's mutter for a Talmud Chacham to show up to a random city where they never heard of him. Yeah, take a big Rosh Hashiva, put the name in your head, your favorite Rosh Hashiva, he shows up to a city, is he allowed to tell people he's a Rosh Hashiva? He says, yes, absolutely. That's not called utilizing the crown of Torah. It's mutter for a person to let himself be known what his, that he's a Talmud Chacham in a city. And your servant fears Hashem in Urav from my youth. So then why is Reb Tarfim bothered? Back to that story. If you're allowed to reveal who you are, all Reb Tarfin did when this guy was out to uh, tie it, when this guy tied him up, all he did was reveal himself and that's okay. So again, the Gemara, the Gemara answers, the Osher Godol have Vahabile Lefaisi Betama. Okay? Same answer. He didn't need to do it that way, and, um, and that's why he held himself, uh, he held himself accountable. Okay? Now notice, it says in the Gemara, a person is permitted to reveal himself. It doesn't say he's obligated to reveal himself, it just says that it's, it's, um, it's mutter. There's a beautiful Misa. It's a great story. With, with um, the Taz. It's about 350 years ago in, uh, in Europe. There, um, the, the Taz, his name was Abdavid Siegel. Okay, so the Taz, uh, until today, remains Mamish, one of the greatest halachic authorities in his rulings on, on Shulchan Aruch. And he, he lived in the era known as the Tachvitat when millions of Yidin from over 750 communities were killed, many of them were forced to run away, and, and uh, Reb David Siegel, the Taz, went running, and he, he was, uh, he, he ran away, he was one of the greatest, greatest G'daylem and Paiskim of his time, and they ended up settling in a far-off city that seemed to, to them to be safe from all the pogroms, um, but nobody knew him. And previously he had been the rub in his community, but people, they pushed it. They, they didn't know what he looked like, and he loved it. They had no clue who he was. You know, until that day, people would ask him, Shilas, all day, all day, all day, all day, all day. And he comes to the city, and they left him alone. They didn't know who he was. So him and his wife made up. They're not letting anybody know who he is. And he's going to be able to sit and learn Torah. Okay. Now, it turns out the rub in this town wasn't so knowledgeable. And whenever a Shiloh would come to him as far as Kashras, Whenever, if you don't know for sure what the Allah is, you need to be machmer, you need to be strict, because better safe than sorry. Um, after some time, the Taz needed to make a, a little bit of money to support his family, so he took a, the job as a minater, which is the person who was the expert in travering the Giranosha and the, the sciatic nerve. And the, the shaykhtim began to realize that he was a Tamil Chacham. And instead of going to the Rav, who wasn't so knowledgeable with the Shilas, he was there anyway in the, uh, in the house. And they would, um, you know, and they would, uh, they'd ask the Taz the Shilas. Okay? They'd ask the Taz the questions. Um, there were less questions now coming to the Rav. So the Rav sent his assistant to the slaughterhouse to find out why there's not so many questions coming. And his assistant was told, you know, there's the, 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 the Menat there, the one who travers the Giranasha, he knows his stuff. So instead of bothering the Rav, we ask him. And the, the Rav's assistant was furious. Ah, chutzpah, this guy shows up in town and he starts paskening Shilas. And he, he, this guy grabs the Taz and he drags him to the shul. Now, in those days, it was a tremendous avera to embarrass the rabbi. And there were actually ramifications 
in the in the in town. Anybody who embarrassed the rav, there were there were in, in this city specifically, the punishment was they took you to the shul and you stood in the back of the shul for a, for two weeks. You had to stand there. You had to stand there by davening, and people would give you musr. They would rebuke you as they walked by. By davening, you had a set spot in the corner, and, and they would rebuke you for embarrassing the rabbi. Okay? So the taz, this, one of the gedele ador. Yeah, we still learn the taz till today. He slept to the shul, and he's put in the back, and whoever walked by him would give him musr. Okay? But, you know, it was, it was embarrassing, but the taz wanted so badly to remain anonymous that it was, it was kedai, it was worth it for him. Okay. Now, a few days later, the Taz is standing in the back of the shul, and a young orphan girl walks in with a question of her family's chicken, and the rabbi says, Treif. So the girl is in tears. She's, she's crying. She's an orphan, and they need this chicken to eat. The rabbi just said, it's Treif. She can't eat. She's walking out, and the Taz sees, as she's walking out of shul, this girl with tears in her eyes. So he says, what's the problem? She says, we have no food, and the rub just paskin that our chicken is treif. It's not kosher. So the Taz looks at the chicken. He says, go tell the rabbi to look in the Taz, in this chapter, <laughs> this ice, this, you know, this number. Tell him to look over here in the, you know, in the Taz, and, and uh, he'll see it's okay. So the little, <laughs> the little girl goes back to the rub in front of the shul, and she says, look up the Taz, you know, and... and um, Sibin, I think it's the way I heard it, Sibin, Shin Mem and Ice Gimel. So the rub looks it up and he sees that the, the issue of the chick was actually kosher. So he says to the girl, he says, who, who told you this? Like, who told you that, to tell me to look it up? So she points to the guy in the back of the shul. So the rub calls him up. He says, what's your name? So the Taz says, my name's David. So he says, what's your family name? And the Taz didn't want to answer. And the rub insisted. So he says, okay, my name's David Siegel. And the, pla- the place exploded. Place exploded. Yeah, the rubs like, what? What's happening? Anybody else who was there? You imagine Chas Shalom doing something like this to like Chaim Kanievsky, <laughs> you know, like, like, what are you doing? Meshuga. So the rub begins to cry and he asks for forgiveness and, and everybody, now the Taz is in their town. They can't believe it. They, they make a whole chuppah. They dance him home. And uh, he comes home and his wife hears what happens and she's not happy. She's not happy. She says, you're willing to give up a decent livelihood because you want to remain anonymous. And you're willing to stand in embarrassment in the back of the show because you want to remain anonymous. And uh, for a little chicken, you blow your cover. For a little chicken, you're willing to blow your cover. She says, I, I don't understand you. Pash don't understand you. And the Taz says, it's not a chicken, it's a family. He says, I'm willing to blow my family for Yasaima. I'm willing to blow my cover for Yasaima. To, to take care of another Yid, take care of somebody else, Kedai, it's Kedai to blow my cover, and now, yeah, you know, we're not going to be able to live as anonymously as we would have liked, but Lamaisa, that's the, uh, that's the Maisa of the Taz, when he had to run away during Tach uh, So it says, a person's permitted to let people know, but like the Taz, he, you're not, I mean, not you know, until it came to a point where he felt he was obligated to help another Yid, he, uh, he preferred to remain anonymous. All right, let's go weiter. Rava Rami. Rava asked a contradiction. We're now four lines from the bottom of Samach Bey's Amar It says, Your servant has feared Hashem from his youth. A stranger praises you and not your mouth is from Mishlei. What does this mean? Okay? 
you're not allowed to praise yourself, meaning don't say anything positive about yourself if other people already know who you are, meaning there's, there's no gain from it. There's no gain for the Torah from it. But if you're in a place where you're not known, like the, like the Taz situation, he very much would have been allowed to let people know when he showed up that he's the Taz. Aye, they would have given him kavod. They would have given him honor for being the Taz. Yeah, but they also he, you know, would have been able to learn Taira from him. So if a people don't know who you are, then it's permitted to emit that praise, meaning say something positive about yourself. Again, the ultimate gain should be for the Torah. It shouldn't be for yourself. Omar Rabba Rabba says, It's permitted for a Talmud Chacham to say, You know, I'm a yeshiva guy. I'm a ben Torah. I'm a Talmud Chacham. Charlie Tigra Bereshe. And therefore, um, out of Kavad Torah, you should take my situation first. Let's say he comes to court. The halacha is that you're obligated to respect, to show covet for a Talmud Chacham. Not because by showing covet for a Talmud Chacham, it's Kavad Torah. So it's permitted for a Talmud Chacham to let himself be known so that people can honor the Torah. Again, you can't use this as your own spade to dig with for your own covet. But if you're going to allow people to show proper covet Torah, you can let people know. The sons of David were Kahanim. What does it mean they're Kahanim? They're from Shevet Yehuda. They can't be Kahanim. It means they were Tamid Echam. Same way a king goes first, Tam Chacham goes first. And we have to know, we have to show proper covet. You sanctify the Kayin, we know that, whenever a Kayin, by benching, whatever, the Kayin goes first, Aliyah, Kayin goes first, you should sanctify him. We always set up the Kayin first. When it comes to everything that has to do with Kedusha, we want to show Hashivas for Kahanim. And this is why, this is the source for why we always put a Kayin first. Top of Amr Beis, Lefteach Rishain, he gets the first Aliyah. Ulevarech Rishain, and he also leads the benching. Velito Manayafet Rishain, and he also should be served first. The same way that applies to Kahanim, it applies as well to Tamidei Chacham. Okay. Omar Rava, Rava says, Charlie is Romer Ban the Maymar's mother for Tom Chacham to say, La Yehivna Achargo, that I want, uh, what's it called, parsonage? I, I, I don't want to have to pay all these taxes. There are certain taxes that, uh, that uh, I don't want to have to pay. The Chsiv, Minda, Minda Beloi, Vahalach, Loi Shalit, Lemirme Aleheim. Nobody could um, place upon a Tamil Chacham a Minda, a Beloi, and a Halach. Okay? Types of taxes as we're about to see. Yomer of Yehuda, Minda Zumanas HaMelech. Minda is real estate tax that everybody in the land pays. Beloi is Kesef Golgalta. Beloi is Kesef Golgalta. A gal, uh, Golgalta is a skull. So there was like a personal tax. That people paid every, uh, you know, kind of like in the Torah, everybody gave a half shekel. So if there's taxes in the Jewish community per person, Tam Chacham could be exempt from that. The Halach, Zu Arnona. And Halach is referring to Arnona. So Arnona happens to be a kind of like a land tax in, uh, in modern Hebrew. But over here, it's referring to the obligation to support the government's needs, specifically 
when you have government officials or soldiers traveling through a city. So people around that city were obligated to uh, give food to these, uh, to these soldiers. Again, they didn't have refrigeration or these fancy packed uh, meals that they're able to take with them wherever they go. They didn't have access. So you, if, if uh, your government soldiers were traveling, where are they getting fresh food from? Where are they getting it from? So the people of that, lo- uh, the, that location would take care of them. Okay, so a Tamil Chacham is uh, allowed to ask to be excluded from these taxes. And that's not called using the Torah to dig with. The Yomar Rav and Rav says, Shari Lil Chomer Ban Lamei Mar Smitter for Tamil Chacham to say, Avda Denura Ano Layahivne Achargo. He's allowed to say, Avda, I am a servant Denura of fire. And therefore, I'm not paying taxes. What's this talking about? Like clergy. Clergy. My time, why you let us say that? Because what he's trying to do is, is uh, say, I'm not, paying, uh, I'm not paying taxes. It's kaviyochol, it's, it's similar. You know, it's similar to, um, you know, when a, a shul wants to make themselves tax exempt. Or not, they want, they're already tax exempt, and you're trying to explain to the person you're purchasing from that you're tax exempt. You say, What type of status are you? Are you a reseller? Say, No, we're like a church. Right? Now, you, ideally, you could say we're a shul, a synagogue, if they understand. But sometimes, like, what's that? You know what I'm saying? So, say it's a, it's a church type of thing. Now, you're presenting yourself like a church. You're not a church. Right? But since that's the term that's used, it's uh, in order to uh, not obligate. Uh, and protect mom and hektish, holy money, you're allowed to refer to it as that. Ravashi Havaleyahu Abba. Ravashi had Hahu Abba, Zavne Lebeinura, that he sold to those who worship fire. Now, what is Abba? If you look at the third thin line in Rashi, there's one word, and Rashi says, Ya'ar. Interestingly, it's an interesting expression for a forest, but uh, Rashi translates the word uh, Abba here as forest. Okay, so Rav Ashi had a forest and he sold it to people who worship their idols with fire. So really, he knows they're going to be using it for Abba Dazar. Omarle Ravina le Ravashi. Ravina and Ravashi wrote the Gemara, by the way. So Ravashi did this, and Ravina said to him, How can you do that? I mean, you're putting a stumbling block in front of these idol worshippers. You're allowing them to worship their idols. You can't do that. He says, no, because most of the forest, ultimately, they're just going to be using for warming up their homes and whatever it is. All right, I know that the way that they worship their idols happens to be with wood, but that's going to be such a minimal amount that's really not the ultimate purpose of why they purchased the forest, and therefore I was permitted to sell it. Which leads to a fascinating conversation about Lifnei Iver Laisitein Michshol, which according to the end of this Gemara over here is that if you could assume that whoever you're selling it to, or whoever you're giving this item to, handing it over to, is going to use it for is going to use it for a permiss- in a in a permissible way, and you don't know, and chances are it's going to be permissible, and you don't know that it's going to be used in a forbidden way, it's going to be mutter to sell it. There's no transgression of lifne either. Okay, beautiful. <clears throat> Period. End of that Gemara. Next Mishnah.
Back to Nadarim. All right. A guy says, I'm making another, I'm not going to drink wine. Ad hakotir. Until the harvest. Kotir is when you harvest wheat. Ad shiaskalam liktar kotir achit. You're not allowed to drink wine or whatever you made a vow from. Um, until people begin to harvest. Avalaikatir sairim. But it's, you, you don't need to withhold until the, um, uh, you're not permitted to start with this item or this wine that you forbade yourself from uh, once you hit the barley season. Apparently barley season came before wheat season, so you're going to have to wait longer. Hakolafi makam nedrei. But it, it really all depends where you made the nether and what ultimately you're referring to. Maybe you're in a place where barley is later, or barley is at the same time. So then it'll be okay. But what we want to say is, if, people under, if you say wheat and people understand it to mean wheat... It's going to have to be wheat. You can't say, oh, barley is also a grain. Okay. If a person was on a mountain when he made the nether, bahar. So then he says, for example, he says, on a mountain, I am not going to drink wine until harvest season. So then the halacha is, he's not allowed to drink wine until the harvest season on a mountain. Now, the Ran here explains that mountain grains took longer to grow and therefore they were harvested later. So if you're on top of a mountain when you made the nadir, you're going to have to wait until mountain grains are harvested. And if it's a valley, so then it's a valley, which could be earlier. Again, it all depends where you're at. If he says, I'm not going to eat this item, make a vow, this wine, whatever it is, until the rain season, until it's the rainy season, which is the second wave of rainfall. It doesn't have to actually have the second rainfall. It's until the time of the second rainfall. And the Gemara and Tainus goes through exactly, there are, there are exact dates that the Gemara lists in he, the Hebrew calendar that's considered at, at a certain point, it's certainly the second rainfall. Okay, a person makes another, I'm, I'm, go, I'm not going to drink wine or eat whatever until it stops raining. So what does that mean? You're going to have to refrain until Nisan is gone. You don't need to wait for the entire month of Nisan to leave. You only need to wait until Pesach is over. Okay, Zokta Gemara, Tani if a person says, I'm not going to drink wine until the kayats, until the harvest season, and he's standing in the Galil. Now the Galil, anybody who's been Zaycha to be in the Galilee, there's a lot of mountains there. Okay? Alright? So now what do we say, what, what, what happens on the mountains? It takes longer to grow, and therefore it's longer to harvest. It's, it's later to harvest. The Yarad Amakim, and then he goes down to the valley. Even though it's harvest season in the valley, you're going to have to wait until what happens up there in the mountainous regions. Okay. The Gemara here is just clarifying that when we said on the Mishnah, you're going to have to follow the place where you made the vow, it means even if you move locations. You could be in the valley now in the place where your region is is earlier harvest, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have to wait for the mountains to be, grains to be harvested because that's where you made your nether. 
period, two dots. Okay. Then we said, Amar of Zira, Rav Zira says, Machloikes, the Amar Aragashamim. The Machloikes is when he says, I'm going to refrain until the rains. What if he says Geshem instead of Geshamim? See, Geshamim is plural, it's multiple. What if he just says, until rain? One. So then says Rav Zira, Ad Zaman Geshem Ka'amar. You don't need to wait for the whole rainy season. You're going to wait only until the time of rain. Meaning the start of the second rainfall, Mamish, when that comes, that's when we're going to say that, um, that you're already at that point going to be permitted to uh, drink or eat whatever you made your vow on. Okay? Finish the daf. We'll hold it here for today. Bezim tomorrow. We will restart from the two dots. We'll go back uh, three lines to the bottom of Samach Beis and Beis, and um, we will pick up from here. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Afreilich and Chanukah, a gitten chaydesh. Let's see. Daf Yoimi this week. What time are we going to do it? So Zeis Chanukah's Montig Monday. Zeis Chanukah Minchamarvs at four thirty. Four thirty. Um, all right, let's Eshkia. It's closer to 450. Marvel over 505. Um, 520. 520 this way. Anybody who's still in show could stay in show with us and um, get their uh, coffees and get their Gemaras, get themselves set up 10 15 minutes. Anybody who's going to be joining on Zoom because I have time to, uh, to go home or from wherever they are. All right, so let's, let's call for 520 this week in Mitzvah Shem. Zai Gesund. Yep, Zai Gesund.